0: Hello and welcome to Robin's Nest podcast. Today it will be only me on. I wanted to catch it up from childhood to being an early adult. So I moved to Woodbury at the age of six. I was in first grade and it was only me, my mom, dad, and my brother, all the rest of my siblings were older and out on their own. So my mom kept me back in second grade. I was the youngest in the class because I have an August birthday and she said that I was too immature to go to third grade, which ended up being a good thing because that's where I met some lifelong friends. And Third grade, I was suspended from lunch for the year for fighting with a boy named Michael because he kept teasing me. I had to walk home and back for lunch. Much to my surprise, my parents didn't punish me because I was sticking up for myself. In fourth grade, I was being punished for talking too much. Imagine that. And my teacher put my desk behind the piano so that I couldn't see or talk to anyone. And one day when I got up, she said, Robin, get back in your nest. I was pissed to say the least. And my family thought that was the funniest thing ever. So in sixth grade, all three of the elementary schools started going to the same school. Woodbury Junior Senior High School was six through 12. And this is where I met more lifelong friends. In seventh grade is when me and my friend Kelly started getting into trouble for talking. One teacher was so mad that he threw his chewing tobacco spit cup at someone. How gross is that? By this point, it was an everyday occurrence to get called to the office. They made all the morning announcements and then a list of names that had to report to P30. My name was always on there. In-school suspension was fun as long as you had a friend. we take naps, pass notes back and forth, eat snacks, so it really wasn't a punishment. And by 8th grade, I was a little bit out of control, but I still enjoyed um, doing sports and I was in the color guard and, you know, just hanging out with my friends. So my first year of ninth grade was a mess. I was always in trouble and was always cutting classes. I think that year I only attended like less than 50 days of school. And then they threatened to take my mom to court because I was a minor and not attending school. That summer I turned 16 and had a great Sweet Sixteen. We rented out the clubhouse at the apartments my brother-in-law worked at. We had a great time. It wasn't anything like the Sweet Sixteens today. This was a clubhouse and it had a pull-out back and we wore shorts and bathing suits. Nothing like the Sweet Sixteens today where they're in gowns and they're really elaborate. But we had a great time. It was like a week after my Sweet Sixteen ended up being the worst night of my life. We lived in this cute little two-bedroom house on the corner of two busy streets. They had just tore down the two houses next to us and they were building a deli. On the other side of me was once a breakfast nook that my mom worked at and there was a little house attached to it in the back and my bedroom was in the back corner of the house. It was August, the windows were open and that day my mom had surgery so she was in her her bedroom with a window air conditioner on. So, uh, it was like 11 o'clock at night. I was trying to, you know, be quiet and not wake up my mom. And I was on the phone with a friend and I said that I would meet him across the street at Wawa and that I was going to leave the back door unlocked so that I didn't wake up my mom. So you know how you feel like someone is watching you? Well I felt that way and looked out my side bedroom window but because my lights were on and it was dark outside the only thing I could see were the giant mounds of dirt where they had tore down the two houses. So I just brushed it off and ran across the street to meet Jeff. When I got there, he was already checking out. So I got what I needed and I also checked out. So he said, I'll watch you walk home. I said, okay, but I'm going in the back door because I left it unlocked so that I didn't wake up mom. So I ran across the street and I quietly go in the back door. And as I am walking in the back door. I see someone running towards me. At this time, my mom and dad were separated and she was dating this Italian guy named Pete. And I say Italian guy because when she was younger, they were forbidden to date Italians. Something about they were uh, aggressive and controlling. So at this time, of course... She was attracted to Italians. So I thought it was Pete playing around trying to scare me. So I jumped out to scare him first. Well, much to my surprise, it was not Pete. He immediately grabbed me and put me in a headlock and covered my mouth and nose with his other hand and started dragging me out back. I couldn't see him, And he was much thinner and taller than Pete and he had this awful body odor. So as he's dragging me out back, he's got my nose and mouth covered and I can't breathe. So I bit him so hard that I drew blood. And so he let go of my mouth and nose and continued to drag me out back. And at this age, I had some kind of health problem that was making me pass out. So he drugged me out back down the steps and we were in the backyard, which connected to like three other yards. And one of them had a light that was shining on the picnic table in my backyard. So I thought that would be a good place to go before I passed out. So I started begging and pleading that I had to sit down before I passed out. And by this time, he's feeling me, touching me, groping me, whatever. And I'm afraid for my life. I'm I'm thinking this guy's going to rape me. I'm still trying to figure out who it is. I keep turning around to, to like look and see who it is. And it's all I can see is this nastiness on his face like like he had chicken pox and acne like I don't know it was just nasty so we finally start walking towards the picnic table and at this point he's holding my arms behind me now I was five foot five foot five and a hundred pounds if I was lucky. And this idiot had to be like over six foot tall, over 200 pounds. And I got to look at his face again, but I I still, I don't know who it is. And that's all I see is like these pock marks, like acne or chicken pox or something on his face. And I couldn't figure out who he was or what the hell he wanted or what he was going to do. So he kept groping me. And at this point, I think that he's going to rape me. So in my mind, I'm like, this is my one and only chance to get away from him. Maybe, just maybe someone will hear me scream. So I break my arms free and start running. I try to scream and nothing comes out. I try again, nothing. The third time, like there's like a little squeak and I finally start screaming at the top of my lungs and he catches me, knocks me down and starts beating the shit out of me and he's punching me in the face I'm still screaming help 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 me so he finally got scared and started running away and I ran the opposite direction and into the house when I get in the house I grab the biggest knife I can find and start screaming out the back door come back here you asshole come back here And at this point, my mom comes into the kitchen, scared to death and says, oh my God, someone is getting raped out front. I said, no, it's me out back. And she looks at me and looks at my face and she starts crying. We immediately called the police and the cops asked me, you know, what happened? And they looked in the backyard and that was about all they did. They didn't walk around the house and look at anything or stay long enough for us to lock all the windows and doors. And so that night we locked everything up and I slept in my mom's room. And we had the doors and the windows locked and I slept all night with that knife in my hand. And then in the morning when we got up, I called my sister Brenda to come over and this is when I first seen my face. It was all bloody and bruised. I had black eyes, a fat lip and Brenda got there and the three of us just like sat there and cried and tried to figure out, you know, what happened so we went to go stay at Brenda's house and the cops came over there and interviewed me again and went over the same questions. Did I know who he was? What did he do? How did he get in? So they brought a picture lineup, and I immediately picked him out and knew his name. He was some dirty 30- or 40-year-old man that lived and partied on the railroad tracks. We always took the tracks to our friend's house because it took like half the time to get there. And he always shouted things at me and said nasty things that he would do to me. And we just blew it off. I mean, we all did. And we just all said that he was crazy. We didn't think nothing of it. So the cops did pick him up and they knew it was him because of where I bit him, he still had a wound on his hand. So sad to say that would be the only night he was going to spend in jail. So the police said that he was sitting outside my window watching me and listening to my phone conversation and that's when he snuck into the house and waited for me they also said that he did this to three other people and actually raped one of them but i think i was the only minor so a week later i had to go to court and for some reason which I can't remember, but I ended up going to court by myself, and they asked me, you know, about that night, and they asked me what I was wearing that day, and, you know, like every other girl at that age, I had on a crop top and shorts, and they asked me if he was my boyfriend, and I agreed to have sex with him, and then I changed my mind, I mean, like, for Christ's sake, he was almost 40 years old. Like, no, that, no, that's not it at all. So, they made me feel like it was my fault. Like, I shouldn't have had on a crop top and shorts. Um, I don't, I don't know. It was just really weird. So, I couldn't sleep because my face hurt and I was scared and every time I fell asleep, I, uh, that whole night would be replaying in my mind. And to make things worse, I went to school with his brother and sister. Apparently his family had kicked him out years ago. And it was only a week or two later, me and my mom packed up and moved to Texas. And at that time, it was only me and her living there because her and my dad were separated and my brother was staying with one of my sisters in another state. But just because you move out of state, it doesn't erase the damage that was already done. I was scared of my shadow. I was having nightmares every night and the reason i'm sharing this is not for sympathy or attention or anything like that it's just to get it out of of me like it makes me feel better to talk about it and get it out and of course at this age i know that you know it's wasn't it my fault wasn't anything i did he had no business being in my house to begin with but, so I'm not looking for sympathy. It just, it just explains, you know, how I was shaped into the person I am today. It's, it's part of my life. So in Texas, I had to start a new high school, make new friends on top of dealing with all that trauma. So... While I was in Texas, the Woodbury police had called my mom and asked her if I could appear in court in two weeks. My mom said, well, sure, if you pay her airline ticket. She was a single mom. We were living with my brother in Texas. She didn't have money like that. And uh, round trip airline tickets then were like $500. So, of course, they didn't pay it. So, I was only a minor, they didn't tell me or ask me, so I had, you know, no idea what was going on, and I don't know to this day, you know, if the court proceedings went on without me or what, but I do know he was not punished for doing that to me or the other people. Someone had told me that, I don't know, one of the judges up there was in his family or something and that's how he got away with it. So months later, I moved back to Jersey and stayed with my sister Brenda and I went back to Woodbury High School, which I was scared to do because his siblings attended that school. So I found out from someone who was, who I considered to be a friend, was going around the school and saying that I made up that story. So before I was even enrolled back into the school, I found out what class she was in and pulled her out of that class, beat her ass, and then put her back in that class So I was suspended before I was even enrolled into the school. So I was afraid of all guys. Um, I didn't want to date. Um, I never wanted to be left alone. It was really hard at that age. So it was a few weeks later, I was at my friend's house hanging out and I seen that asshole coming off the railroad tracks and he seen me and he started screaming that he was going to kill me. And if he ever sees me alone again, that he will kill me. So I immediately called the cops and said, you know, that I wanted to press charges and at this point, I'm still 16 years old, and they told me that I couldn't because it was double jeopardy. Well, how was it double jeopardy if it was a whole new threat? So I really do believe that he had family in the Woodbury system because there's no reason why he got away with what he did and why I couldn't press new charges against him. So that brings me up into, uh, I guess, turning 17, which would be when I met my boyfriend who turned into my husband. So... I will end this podcast here and the next podcast, we will start at that age. And again, I want to thank you for listening and you can follow me on Robin's Nest podcast on Instagram and Facebook, uh, like, and share the podcast. And if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, Feel free to message me on uh, one of the social media accounts and I thank you for listening and until we meet again.